You're listening to Seeing and Believing, a film and television podcast that searches for the sacred on screen. I'm Wade Bearden. And I'm Kevin McLenathan, and I hope that you have some Just for Men handy, Wade, because between the movie that we're watching this week or maybe my opinions on it, you might have a few more gray hairs at the end of this episode. Wow, Kevin, uh, you know, I, I don't have any Just for Men, but... I do have my usual stack of Axe body spray. Well, in case the uh, reference to Axe body spray maybe dates you a little bit less than my reference to Just For Men, so you might be doing okay. Listeners, today we are looking at the new film from M. Night Shyamalan, Old. We do guarantee that at the end of this episode, you will be at least half an hour older. Hopefully not anymore, (laughs) though. That review is coming up on episode 299 of Seeing and Believing. No kids allowed on the beach? What? No. That's not true! Oh, no! Oh, no! We never leave each other. Nothing separates us. Are we there yet? You said five minutes. Technically, it's been more than five minutes. Let's just all start slowing down. Wow, can you believe I found this online? I guess it's not that secret a beast. Whoa! Who would leave this? From the hotel! They're so rusted! What's happening? Found stuff from the hotel in the sand. Yes, listeners, we are here with episode 299 of Seeing and Believing. Kevin, this is a this is a momentous episode for us because it's actually the last episode we'll ever need to record because we can just take all of our previous episodes, upload them into a computer, and an AI system will actually generate the reviews for us. It'll be our voices and everything. It's it's gonna be fantastic and We'll have a chance to hear our opinions rather than give our opinions. Yeah, it's the movie review podcast equivalent of syndication for a TV show. Like, we're almost to 300 episodes now. I think it's time for you and I to just kick back, let the the reruns happen, and watch the checks roll in. Yeah. (laughs) And, I mean, I feel like a system would do a really good job of analyzing my previous opinions and then formulating new opinions based on those so like an mcu movie will come out and it will be my voice and it will say yeah it's not great but i enjoyed it and they would probably be correct in that assessment (laughs) i i mean (laughs) you you joke but we're probably only about five years from that happening anyway so you know i I don't know if this is going to be so much science fiction as uh, prophetic. Mm, Yeah, yeah. So episode 300 coming in next week. We've got a great episode planned. We're still kind of working through some of the details. But Kevin, we will be reviewing David Lowry's The Green Knight. And we were thinking about doing something special, and we will do something special. But we realized we do need to review this film because it's one of our most anticipated movies of the year for both of us. And we, we got to get our thoughts out there. 
yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that film quite a bit. And I, you know, we, we had to fit in a review of it somehow. And, I, you know, that this upcoming weekend is going to be a huge one for new releases anyway. So I don't know, there would probably have been some riots if we didn't have any reviews of any of them. Hmm. So, you know, we're, we're going to at least get the Green Knight in there and also a segment that we are putting details together for now. But uh, you'll just have to wait until next week to hear them. Yeah. Couple of movies next week. Stillwater's coming out. Maybe we'll get to that. You know what film, Kevin? I at first I thought, oh, this is gonna be dumb, but I kind of want to see it. I want to see Jungle Cruise. It looks like a fun, a fun adventure. It's got The Rock. It's got Emily Blunt. I I'm hoping that it will be a good time. <laughs> you know, I I kind of felt this a similar way. Yeah, I, I saw Jungle Cruise like, oh, you know, great. You know, here's here's another. Disney property. And then I saw that Jesse Plemons is in it as a comical Nazi. And I, you know, <laughs> I kind of want to see the movie just for him and see what he does with that role, because that seems pretty inspired to me. Okay. I didn't even know that. Now I'm definitely, I don't know when I'm going to get around to it because we got, this is kind of a busy week coming up and we're preparing for a special segment and we're doing a review of the, of the green knight so i might not watch it this next week but i'm really excited to see that now that's that's funny this could be kind of a i don't know a comical version of indiana jones maybe or the african queen i i don't know well i guess we'll just we'll see when it comes yeah i guess we'll just have to see yeah well listeners before we jump into our review of old I do want to alert you to our Patreon campaign. So many of our listeners have taken an opportunity to support us over the years. Some people do it by posting reviews, uh, providing feedback, giving generous tips to the show, and then others through our Patreon page. If you'd like to support us, we got a number of different donation levels with perks. Some of them include swag. Some of them include a personalized list. Some of them include a review from any any movie of your choice. So make sure to check that out. One of our favorite levels is the what can you buy for $5 level. Kevin, we're talking about the Jungle Cruise. So I'm hoping I'm hoping there'll be some some sort of thematic connection there. But what could someone buy for 5 bucks? Oh man, uh 5 bucks would get you a uh toucan beak for all of your your valuables. So, you know, like how uh, there once upon a time there was kind of like the puka shell necklace that you know guys would wear around their <laughs> yeah. necks, and you know then there you know there's fanny packs we're in for for a br- mercifully brief while. Uh, I think the next big thing is going to be uh, imitation toucan beaks for you know to hold like your phone or maybe your whatever the modern equivalent of a Tamagotchi is, like all of those things, mm. just throw them into this toucan beak, hang, hang it down by your belt with pride. I think I'm calling it now, that's going to be the next big fashion accessory of the 2020s. Wow. No, I mean, and five bucks, so cheap. So many people can buy it. They'll get to the top of the market, market control. I, I No, I, I love it. Listeners, if you've already got a fanny pack or something similar and you don't want to upgrade right now, you could hop on over and join our Patreon. $5 a month for that level, and there are a number of different donation levels. Check it out, patreon.com forward slash seeing underscore believing underscore 
podcast, we're going to jump into our review of Old, directed by M. Night Shyamalan and based on the graphic novel Sandcastle by Pierre Oscar Levy and Frederick Peters. Old tells the story of a family on a tropical holiday who suddenly discover that a secluded beach is somehow causing them to age rapidly, reducing their entire lives into a single day. At the center of the story lies a family fighting for survival in more ways than one. The film stars Gael Garcia Bernal, Vicky Creeps, Alex Wolf, and Thomason McKenzie. Kevin, M. Night Shyamalan. It's, it's funny that we make so many different rounds here on Seeing and Believing. We've been around for 299 episodes. We've reviewed Split. We've reviewed The Visit. We've reviewed Glass. And I feel like I've been more on the positive side of those films than you have. I've generally liked this recent M. Night resurgence. And now we're coming to his most recent film, Old. I wanted to get your thoughts. How how do you feel about this? Do you feel do you feel like you're kind of in the in the middle? Okay, yeah, it's fine. Or does this film finally take you into positive territory after so many years? Well, I I feel like uh, I I feel like I I'm pretty much in the same place with Old that I've been with M. Night Shyamalan for a while in that uh, with the exception of the visit, I think I thought the, the visit was, was a lot of fun. It was just kind of like a, a, you know, a goofy kind of popcorn film. I, I had a good time with that one. I think that's probably my favorite of uh, kind of the, the new wave of Shyamalan, if you will. Um, and I don't think old really surpasses e- even that film the thing with old is it kind of fits into a pattern that's really common with Shyamalan where it's really good for a while until it's really bad for mm. a while. And unfortunately, the bad usually outweighs the good. And I don't think old is is really any exception. And we can kind of get into the specifics of, you know, the points at which that uh, transition happens for me because I, I don't want to say that this is a a total failure on on the level of something like I don't know the the happening or Avatar: The Last Airbender, but I don't think it's a very good movie, and I think that there's there's a lot of uh, ideas floating around in here. Like nobody can ever accuse Shyamalan of just cashing a paycheck or you know making a making a movie just to make a movie. Like he always has something to say, and I do appreciate that about his films. I just think that. He's his screenplays aren't as good at saying things as his directing is, if that makes sense. I think he's a better director than a screenwriter. And I kind of wish that he would direct screenplays other than his own. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, you know, you get this sense with M. Night Shyamalan. Like you said, he's he's not doing it for the money. He genuinely loves to tell stories. And I heard him talk once and he mentioned how he'll he'll either get paid less or he'll work some sort of system out to where he has control over any sequels made for his films. And that's why Glass is the only sequel. I guess Split is is 
kind of a part of that too, that universe of his that have that have been made because he is protective of these stories and he likes to he likes to tread new ground. I I like old. I I think it's I think it's a pretty pretty decent film. M. Night Shyamalan still struggles to write dialogue, and that's pretty apparent here, but he knows how to direct. He knows how to use the camera, and he knows how to make you feel something. And I I appreciated that. I I also I would love to just I wish I could even do a deep dive. It would probably require spoilers to contrast a horror film like this and your traditional, I guess you could say like the subgenre of horror films that are like A24 horror films. And the lead up in this film, uh, till about halfway, is is really kind of along those same lines. And then it diverges. And I, I wonder if if that's if that's one of the reasons why many people who have a problem with this film uh, have a problem with the second half. I don't know, and, and I'd love to get your thoughts on that because this is this goes to a different place, and I I like that, and I, I like the second half of this movie. Um, but yeah, I, I want to hear I want to hear what you have to say about that divergence and and where this film in your mind goes off the rails. Okay, so well, I, I guess you know I, earlier I said that you know it fits a, a template where it's really good until it's really bad, and I don't think that's quite accurate now that I now that I'm really thinking about what I just said. I think it's it's more that this film is really bad and then it gets really good and then it gets bad again. Mm. And um mm. and to answer, you know, kind of the the question you posed, I, I want to actually see some uh your labeling of this as a horror film because I think that's true. I think this is a horror movie. Um and I think therein maybe lies the problem. The reason that I liked the visits, uh, probably the most of his latter day films, is I think in the visit he he kind of knew what he was making. He was making kind of this this fun little movie that was you know intended to, to kind of make you jump. It was intended to kind of goose the audience, get a reaction out of them, and it's just kind of this fun rollicking schlocky film. It's it's it knows what it is and it leans into that. I think with old though it it is a horror film the the premise is uh mostly played for horror there are certain sequences in this film that are very much like lean into body horror big time and I think that's maybe where the film is at strongest is kind of in this middle section where things start to really go off the rails for our characters on this beach and yet that those those segments where it really leans into the horror are just so few and far between and so much of the film is really taken up with the just this very very broad uh characterization of all the people on this beach this this very ham-fisted uh exposition where literally characters are are sitting and saying i'm a nurse so i know how to do this another person says well i'm an insurance actuary so i know about this and it's it's just it's all very it's done with maximum artlessness i think and the parts where a lot of the the parts where there is there are some horror elements it feels like Shyamalan's almost kind of filming around it in order to get that pg13 rather than leaning into okay let's go full on you know body horror like what happens to a body when it ages rapidly what happens if uh somebody uh is pregnant on a beach where you age rapidly like what kinds of things 
are possible with that premise. And he kind of gestures in that direction, but then he never really uh, goes as goes as far or as crazy as he should. He seems like he wants to make something a little bit more cerebral like these A24 horror films. But the problem is he's just, he's not a subtle enough writer uh, to really make that kind of prestige horror feeling work for him. And so it kind of just feels like on the one hand, it's, it's almost like this, almost like a slasher where like people die one by one and it's all very broadly pitched. And then it kind of shifts into a more prestige horror mode where it seems to want to be a little bit more heady than that. And he's, he's got to pick one. He's got to pick a target. And I think because he doesn't, the film kind of, to me, feels like a big mess. I don't, I, I don't think he has to pick one. I, I just think he, I think Shyamalan, he, he just, he wants to make his own movie and he's never going to make those R-rated midsummer films. It's never going to be him because that's, it's just not who he is. And this is probably the quote unquote edgiest film that he's ever made in that there's one scene where there's kind of partial nudity. There's uh, some so a, a sex scene that's alluded to, but but not shown like that's as edgy as M. Not Shyamalan is going to get. And that's fine because that's that's him and that's who he is. And that's who someone like Spielberg is as well. It, it just it is what it is. I I thought what he was trying to do is to offer this sort of existential horror versus this body visual imagery uh, manipulation horror. So we're we're seeing we're seeing a couple of graphic things, but he really wants us to consider the psychology of of growing old and. I don't know. I found that to be pretty effective versus someone kind of just hitting me over the head with one grisly image after the other. I, I thought that some of his ideas were were fascinating. And you're right. I think some of the dialogue is just not written well. At the same time, like it's 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 also very obvious this is a film about people who go to a beach and they age on the beach. So it's not it's 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 not anything incredibly realistic. And so a lot of the characters are types. And so there's this mention throughout the movie of these characters. What do you do? Who are you? And so much of what they talk about is based on their occupation. And for someone who's creating a story about aging and what we do with our time, and we're on a beach... And, and this is like a parable of our lives, then people constantly talking about what they do is a reflection of how most of our lives is really, a, it's about work and how that work becomes part of our identity, maybe in good ways and maybe in bad ways. So like I said, it's kind of clunky at times, but I, I don't know. I think, I think there's something, I think there's something there and I appreciate it not going full blown a 24 or body horror because it's different. And I feel like, I don't know. I feel like this film is, is kind of bold and fearless in that way. Um, versus, 
you know, this, I don't know, this like bleak ending and, and the, the last image is just like, everything's terrible and bad and, and cut to black. Like it, it's just different than that. And I appreciate it. Oh, you, you were, you used the word clunkiness. And I guess that's the big sticking point for me is that I can imagine a, a version of this film where, um, where what you said about, uh, you know, it, it kind of being a parable or, or having this, this very simplified quality to it, where it actually works, where, you know, the, 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 the concept of all these people kind of constantly talking about their occupations and, and being almost types rather than flesh and blood human beings, uh, where, where that actually kind of works. And I, I can imagine that being, being interesting, but I just don't think Shyamalan executes it very well. I think, uh, he, he doesn't have it on the page in a way that, that feels right for, for it being kind of a simplified parable feel because this film spends so much time really talking out kind of the, the, the nitty gritty of the details where they literally, like they literally sit down and they say, okay, a half hour on this beach is one year of our lives and bodies decompose at such and such a rate. So that means this body's been here for, for this long. And they really break it down into the details where he's inviting us to really, you know, think of it in more grounded terms rather than a more parable-like feel or a more dreamlike feel. And I think that just sinks the the whole enterprise. You think of you it's obvious that Shyamalan really admires Hitchcock. Like Hitchcock's influence is is pretty clear in his work, just um and you you understand, uh, you, you see the the DNA of kind of the Hitchcockian pot boiler in Shyamalan's work, and that's all well and good. But I think Shyamalan really needs to take maybe a little bit of a cue from you know the the films of of David Lynch, where you watch a Lynch film, like you watch Blue Velvet, and uh, Dennis Hopper's character Frank Booth. There's so much about him that goes completely unexplained, where you you don't quite know why does he have the oxygen mask. You you don't know quite how, you know, he's become the person he is. He's just he's a malevolent force who is, uh, kind of overshadowing everything in the story. And it's less important to know the details about him than to just know he's bad and to just kind of feel that in your bones rather than have it explained to you. And I, I think there are moments in this in old where we kind of see bits of that peeking through. And I appreciate that. For instance, when the uh, characters are first moving onto the beach, there's this shot that Shyamalan includes of them walking through this uh, slot canyon. And he, he has this slow motion shot of them kind of walking in profile past the camera and you know they're you know the the women's uh, swimsuits are are kind of there's this billowing effect on this uh, sarong that one of them is wearing. Uh, another one is kind of swinging uh, a basket or, or a purse or something, and so it's all just it's got this dreamlike quality. And I think if that kind of quality had suffused the entire film, I wouldn't have as many quibbles with you know it feeling unrealistic or clunky because it would feel almost like a dream, like. These people are are trapped on a beach. They don't quite know why, and things begin to affect them. I think that would be a very intriguing movie. I think what we got here is something that kind of wants to be suggestive in that way, 
but is constantly tying itself down to earth with these petty questions that really aren't that important. We like it doesn't matter who, you know, why somebody knows the statistics for how many people die on vacation. It doesn't matter how many minutes equal one year on this beach. What matters is, okay, they're on this beach. How does that affect them? How does that affect us, the viewer? And I just found precious little of that in this film. And it it was a disappointment when the these flashes of a better film peeked through because I, I saw how what it could have been instead of what it was. Hmm. I mean, I think some of those... Some of those conversations, obviously, some of them weren't written well. Some of them were what people would talk about in that situation. And another point in the film that I I enjoyed is that, and I don't think this is getting too too much into spoilers, is in any other horror film that's trying to be a prestige horror film, the characters on the beach, it would have turned into this the study of how humanity fights against each other they all would have fought together and 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 you know rivalries would have been created they would have torn each other apart from within and and we've got one plot that kind of works that way but it's because of a particular uh, illness but they all generally they don't work together all that well but they don't tear each other apart and i i think some of those flashes kind of give you a hint into the little bit of hope that is in Shyamalan and in his work and kind of across his work and will never let him go full David Lynch uh, or some of these other routes that we've kind of mentioned before. Uh, camera work, you mentioned a really fantastic shot in the movie. I like this sort of roving camera, uh, s- camera kind of circling characters, a camera uh, cameras are behind objects. You get the sense that somebody's watching these individuals from the very beginning, from when they first arrive at this this resort before they even head to the beach. And it, some of the handheld shots, you just you feel the hectic nature of this environment. And I think particularly too, Shyamalan has this way of moving the camera around and concealing objects in people and letting you just anticipate when that image will come. And sometimes it comes, sometimes it doesn't come. And I think either way, it's uh, it's it's pretty effective. He has this, he's, he's, he's got this skill and there's a reason why early in his career, people were comparing him to Spielberg because he just has those classical filmmaking uh, a filmmaker's eye and he can just kind of see some of these shots. And I really, I really do appreciate that too. I, you know, we'll eventually get, get into some of the themes because I think some of the themes are important. There are, there is something to think about, but uh, all that to say is just on a nuts and bolts level, I appreciate this movie. And I, I found myself pretty entertained and intrigued and also emotionally invested across, across this viewing. I mean, I will say that as far as emotional investment goes, the part where this movie gets really good, I think, is, you know, it's maybe it's at towards the end of the second act, beginning of the third act, is about 60% of the way through the movie, um, where things have, the night has fallen, I guess. So by this point, they've been on the beach for a while. Lots of uh, crazy things have happened to them up to that point, but things it's it's a little bit of a a respite 
that Shyamalan puts in here where, where things have quieted down and the characters have a chance to sort of sit and feel what what their situation is you know they they're no longer trying to problem solve they're no longer there's 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 no bickering there's there's no immediate danger it's just them sitting on a darkened beach trying to to figure out okay well now now that we've kind of realized our predicament what happens next and there's there's this shot that Shyamalan has it's a single take but the camera moves and he essentially follows one character down to the water's edge and then sort of uh, dollies uh, back again uh, towards the right and then uh, dollies back towards the left again. And it's it's this shot that really mimics the uh, the rising and falling of the tide. It's essentially his camera has become mm. the the waves that we've been hearing throughout the entire film and he kind of just it's this gentle motion that really is so expressive of the film's central theme which is that you know life really is precious and you know it comes and it goes and that's just the way of things and i think in that moment this movie touches greatness i just loved that entire sequence and i i thought it was it was wonderful i think it was the one point where and I guess it's also notable because there's no dialogue in that stretch. It's all Shyamalan working mm. with image and sound, uh, no no actual characters speaking. And it's it's maybe telling that that's such a wonderful sequence. And the the one immediately following it, where a couple of characters just decide, you know what, let's just build a sandcastle, and they build a sandcastle, and the simplicity of the the shots there just the the way that Shyamalan kind of observes them just going about making a sandcastle underlines his themes so much better than any number of ham-handed lines about how I can't wait to hear how you sing when you get older or you know <laughs> you are always living in the future well you're always living in the past like all that dialogue is ridiculous and terrible and is not necessary when Shyamalan does have these wonderful images in his back pocket. It's just, it's frustrating to me, I guess, that he doesn't seem to be interested in the most interesting part of his directorial arsenal. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a fascinating observation, a great scene. And uh, I, I found a scene between two characters um, who've experienced a reconciliation to be quite be quite moving i also think there are a couple of elements that are not necessarily talked about in the film but if you're watching closely uh i I think they're they're profound when we see characters aging obviously the children uh their their aging process is more profound because a child aging 10 years is much different than an adult in their 30s aging 10 years. And there are certain rules to how all that aging works. And you'll notice that the more apparent change happens at the beginning of a person's life and then at the end of a person's life. And in the middle, it's this kind of like gradual nature. And I think as these characters are, they're talking about 
their occupations, they're watching their children grow old before their eyes. I felt this very, this, I felt this, there's this feeling of, wow, you, you look around and it doesn't seem like life is, is passing you by, but you have those reference points. And it's, it's kind of like if you're, uh, if you're, if you're swimming and, and you look to the, you look to the beach far away. It doesn't look like you're moving very fast, but you, you look right next to you and you're like, wow, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of moving fast. And as these parents are watching their children age, it just lends perspective, this visual perspective to how fast life goes by. And we, we don't even, we don't even realize it just because of the period that we're in. We're in this, you know, middle age period. Uh, and I thought some of those so some of those scenes and some of those images work work pretty well, and I I think he is a little ham fisted in those lines where he's where, where the characters will say you know you're always thinking about the future it makes me feel unseen and yeah those are those are not good um, but but there's still these these ideas there and then towards the end of the movie and we we can't talk too much about this for spoilers. But there, there are some other thematic ideas that are introduced. And I like the end. I think the end is, is pretty good. I, I think a lot of people have a problem with it, but, but, I, but I liked it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a Shyamalan movie. So, you know, endings are big in mm-hmm. the Shyamalan verse. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'll, I'll have to part ways with you on, on the ending. I don't think it's good. I think there's there's a shot that Shyamalan includes that he's in he you know of course this uh is can going to continue the the trend of Shyamalan you know having uh bit roles in his own films mm. and most of the time you know it's just kind of a cutesy thing like again the Hitchcock cameo uh but in this film I think it really it, there there's a shot that where uh we're we're close to the end of the film and we see the character that Shyamalan himself plays and he's behind a camera. And that is just, I I would have been so happy if the movie had just ended there because that again, it, it invites the audience, I guess, to reflect rather than be told things. And the, the sort of thing it would cause us to reflect on essentially, you know, why do we, why do we go to movies, especially horror movies where characters suffer? What do we learn from that? Uh, what do we take away from that? Or, you know, what what does that say about uh, us and about the artists who create these characters? I mean, that's that's interesting stuff to ruminate on. And then the movie keeps going, and it just it's it's like the the inverse of the the people the the criticism that a lot of people have of Nolan, where you know the first part of his movie is just constant talking about explaining the premise before you can actually get to the good stuff. It feels like the ending of Shyamalan is just constant talking to underline and explain everything that doesn't really need explaining because all the important stuff we understand and know. Mm. And it's, it's this point that Shyamalan, again, like just Shyamalan doesn't seem to, to trust some of his stronger ideas. And so kind of embroiders them around the edges in unnecessary ways, um, almost as if he filmed a first draft of a script uh, where he kind of just got everything onto the page and never went back and actually made cuts. Mm. 
Wow. Wow. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I gotta say like, if, if I'm, if I'm sounding really down on this movie, that's because I think it, it, it's, it's maybe the contrast between the good parts, which I think are just some of the best stuff that Shyamalan's ever done okay. with the bad parts, which is down near the bottom, I would say mm. of what Shyamalan mm. has done. Yeah. It, it, you know, the, the, the part that Shyamalan plays uh, is fascinating. And the the roles he puts himself into, I think, you know, Lady in the Water, his role is just, it's kind of funny to think about that if you go back and watch that movie, which I, you know, I like that movie too. Um, but this one, and, and he sets himself as a, as a chief transgressor. And you mentioned the camera and it says something about time. And by all accounts, he seems like he's a, he's a family guy. And so those images of children growing up very fast, it just makes you kind of wonder, you know, what's going on in his mind and what's the sort of meta quality to him playing the role that he's that he's playing. So it, it's fascinating to, to think about that. Listeners, that's a review of old. It's currently playing in theaters. If you've seen the movie, we would love I would love to get your thoughts. Are you Team Wade? Team Kevin, maybe somewhere in between. Let us know. Give us a tweet at cbeliefpod, at cbeliefpod. You can also email us, seeingandbelievingcapc at gmail.com. Yeah, I mean, old has a lot to think about, whether you're thinking about uh, the nature of life, the fleetingness of life, how... uh, how you kind of wish that you weren't spending your fleeting life watching the Shyamalan movie? <laughs> All these ideas. Um, and we didn't even get to some of the theological repercussions, but they're there. I think they're there. Let us know what you thought, listeners. We'd love to get get those get those comments from you and hopefully read them on our next show. Kevin, we've reached the part of our episode where we recommend something from the world of television and or film to our listeners. What would you like to recommend today? Uh, well, I was thinking about movies uh, about aging, about the aging process, and the one that I came up with was uh, the 2005 film Broken Flowers, directed by Jim Jarmusch. Uh, this was a film that kind of uh, cemented the the Bill Murray uh, is sad renaissance. Mm. You know, we, we had Lost in Translation, I think, back in 2003, where he, you know, definitely kind of leans into the mournful side of his screen persona and broken flowers really doubles down on on that in this uh film murray plays kind of this aging lothario who's gone through life he's been a womanizer he's had tons of girlfriends and the film kicks off with his much younger girlfriend dumping him and leaving him and uh bill murray's kind of by himself uh kind of looking back on a a life that was was spent solely in the pursuit of his own pleasure, and now he's abandoned by himself. And then he receives an anonymous letter from a former flame saying that he has a child that he didn't know about, and the letter is anonymous, of course, so he doesn't know which girlfriend it is. So the entire film follows Murray's characters. He visits these former flames, trying to decide, try, trying to find out if she is the one who wrote him this mysterious letter. And where this long lost child of his is right now, so it's it's a very quiet movie. It's uh it's a you know it's a sad movie as the that premise might suggest. It's got kind of you know the the Jim Jarmusch's trademark deadpan sense of humor in a lot of scenes, but 
Yeah, it's a really great film. If you're kind of in the mood for, you know, ruminating on past regrets and what getting old does to one's perspective, I think that Broken Flowers is a really good film to spend some time with. I have not seen that movie, but I, I've i always come across the cover. I really like the cover of kind of like Bill Murray on it. I believe it's like pinkish. He has mm. broken flowers. Uh, I, I've just, I've wanted to see that movie and uh, haven't had a chance to do that. But I mean, from your description, it sounds really great. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, I, I don't think I would, I would count it as some, one of my very favorite Jarmusch films, but it's, you know, probably in the top half. And I think it's, it's pretty strong. And if you're a Bill Murray fan, I mean, he gives an excellent performance. In it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have to check that one out. So uh, my recommendation comes from a director who recently passed away. He passed away earlier this month, and that's Richard Donner. He's this iconic guy who directed films like Superman, uh, The Goonies, The Lethal Weapon films. Uh, you mentioned Bill Murray. He directed Scrooged. There's a film that... He directed that people don't talk about uh, very often, but I found this to be a pretty intense thriller, and that's the 1997 movie Conspiracy Theory. Now, this movie is probably not going to be talked about a lot right now because it involves a man played by Mel Gibson um, who has a lot of conspiracy theories, and one of them turns out to be true. There's so many conspiracy theories out there. I even hesitate to recommend this, but it is this, um, it, it is a taunt film, uh, it, that, that really just digs deep into the, the paranoia of this character and, and what happens if that actually turned out to be true. It stars Julia Roberts and she, she's great. And especially during, you know, her, her, her run in the nineties was really fantastic. She just, even in bad movies, she's just incredibly charming, and uh, she plays uh, the counterpart to Mel Gibson here. And yeah, a taxi driver has a bunch of conspiracy theories. Uh, one of them is true. He's being hunted down. Patrick Stewart also uh, stars in the film. And if you're looking for just a just a nice thriller, it's it's not anything that's gonna. Uh, I, I think going to win any awards, but uh, I found it to be pretty, pretty entertaining. Yeah, it's a, it is an entertaining movie. I think that uh, my vote for best in show would be Patrick Stewart. I think he's just a lot of fun mm. in conspiracy theory. He, there's just so few films where he gets to be villainous mm-hmm. that when you get one of those few films, he's just a blast to watch and, there, there's some funny business here with you know that that famous schnoz of of Patrick Stewart and the thing the indignities that are perpetrated upon it are you know are are humorous and mm-hmm. yeah it's a it's an like you said it's a really just a fun movie yeah yeah and they 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 tie Mel Gibson up to like this wheelchair in the film uh, towards you know the, the climax of the movie and <laughs> man when I watched that when I was younger I probably saw this too young. Uh, I came out when I was 10. That freaked me out. It just the, you know, how powerless uh, he was in that situation. So there's some images that have kind of stuck with me uh, over time. Listeners, this episode 299, 300. We, we won't do the AI thing next week. We'll actually record 
episode 300 and we've got some fun stuff planned so make sure to tune into that share it with your friends and if you'd like for us to read something on the air for episode 300 hey we'd love that once again at c belief pod at c belief pod you can also email us seeing and believing capc at gmail.com thank you for listening to this week's episode it's brought to you by christandpopculture.com our producer is jonathan clausen who every week helps us to search for the sacred on screen i'm wade beard and my co-host is kevin mclinathan and until next time this is seeing and believing we'll see you later you have been listening to seeing and believing an official production of the christ and pop culture podcast network Please rate and review the show in iTunes and check out our other shows at christandpopculture.com slash network. Theme music by Alexander Osborne and Lindsay Miz, used under Creative Commons License 3.0.